what Joe Biden is doing is he's revealing his true form. And remember, both Bernie Sanders and Vladimir Lenin called themselves democratic socialists. Call it whatever you want. It's all the same, folks. And he's revealing himself in his true form. He is a communist. Welcome to Idaho Speaks, the place to learn about candidates and issues important to Idaho. My name is Ed, and I created this channel to overcome the media bias that plagues our communities and our state. When presented all the information, I believe you, the voter, will make the best decision for our future. At Idaho Speaks, we will give you the side of the story being hidden by mainstream media and big tech giants. Idaho Speaks, your issues, your candidates, your state. Welcome to Idaho Speaks. With me in studio today, I have a candidate running for governor. This, you know, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you, the listener, a an opportunity to get kind of an inside look to the personality of the individual who might be our next leader, the, the, the person who's going to be running the state, the one who is going to be representing the Constitution of the state of Idaho with all of the federal onslaught that's coming down. You've heard the stories left and right. You, we've talked about them here on this program till I'm blue in the face. We've got things that are happening in America that we wake up in the morning and say, that can't possibly happen in Idaho. Well, you know, it can if we're not smart with this next election. If we do not vet our candidates to the core, and, and when I say to the core, down to their essence, then we've failed as voters. We have failed in our job that the founding fathers put forth for us to keep this democracy, but only if we can. So with me in studio, I'm so happy to introduce Ed Humphreys. Ed, thank you for taking time to come in today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me having me on the show, Ed, and I and I'll be able to remember your name through the whole interview, no you doubt. Know, you know, I reached out. I first thing that I did was I looked for all of the candidates named Ed, and then I sent them a personal invitation first. So fantastic! I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. So, okay, let's start with the hard one. I you know I like to I like to really hit it with the hard questions. Who is Ed? I'm Ed Humphreys. I live in Eagle with my wife, Holly, and our, and our two kids. We just had another baby a couple months ago. Uh, Congratulations. Ruby. Thank you. Yeah, she just had her baby blessing just this last weekend. So that was a, that was a lot of fun. But I, I first moved to Idaho in, in 2013. Uh, Idaho Falls is how I got introduced to Idaho. So I, I used to live on the eastern side of the state. At that time, I was a, a roughneck on drilling rigs, so I used to drill for oil in states like Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, North Dakota, and uh, I met my wife in Idaho Falls, but we started our family in in Eagle, and Eagle is now uh, where uh, where we live, and it's a, it's a beautiful part of the state. It's a growing part of the state, but uh, you guys know better than most here in North Idaho, how quickly the state is growing. So there's a lot of change coming down right now. There sure, sure is. I mean, in fact, it's, it's tough because a lot of people complain about it. And I, I've got mixed feelings because my retirement's in real estate. So, you know, I kind of want the real estate value to go up, but that's selfish. I know that's horrible. So when folks are saying, oh, it's just too crowded, I think some of that is from the nostalgia of the past. Mm -hmm. Did you did you grow up in a small town? 
Well, I moved to Idaho from Western Colorado, so I, I kind of had a mix. Uh, uh, my mother lived in Arizona. My father lived in Colorado. So I kind of got a mix of some of, the, uh, some of the city life. I was born in Phoenix, uh, and then some of the smaller town life, uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, on the, on, on the Western Slope there. But you mentioned retirement, and that's actually professionally what I do. I, uh, I'm a financial planner, and I have been for about the last five years but I walked away from my book of business to run for governor uh, because of all the things that are happening in the state right now that are alarming us. And the pace of insanity is quickening, I would say. Wow. And so I think now's the time where we need bold leadership to make a course correction. Okay. Well, you've already answered part of the next question. Why are you running for governor? But, but let's dive into that. Just what's, um, when elected governor, what are two things right off the bat you want to accomplish? Well, there's a, and I'm happy to get into the policy. On, on day one, there's two big things I'd like to accomplish, but I do want to answer the question on, on, on the real under, under, uh, overwhelming why behind my candidacy. People across this state recognize, and I've traveled the state numerous times over. We're going to continue to do that. But what I would ar articulate is that folks feel in their hearts right now that something is wrong. People just intuitively know it. They might not be able to quite pinpoint what is going on, but they widely can recognize that things are, are, are very well out of pace. And I think I'm more sensitive to what's happening here in America and in Idaho than most because you have to understand my family lived under and fled from communism in Eastern Europe, right? My mother, my brother, my aunt came to this country from the former Yugoslavia, which is dissolved, doesn't even exist right, right. anymore. Right, it's gone. I, I was there in 87. I, I, I remember Yugoslavia as, as a country, but that was not a pretty place. Well, this is not uncommon to these communist-style governments. Look what happened to the Soviet Union. Look what happened to Yugoslavia. Look what's happening right now in Venezuela. And my family came to this country in search of the, of the American dream, which is that idea that you could elevate your station in life. And so my mother cleaned hotel rooms when we were growing up, worked in restaurants. My father laid tile. He fabricated granite. I grew up with uh, helping clean office space with my mom or on the job site uh, with, with my dad. So I got those unique experiences, got to see what it's like to survive paycheck to paycheck. And 13 years ago, you got to recognize I was living in a rundown trailer park in Western Colorado, but the American dream is such, and I've seen it play out for my mother. I've seen it play out for my father. And in my own life, it, it, the American dream means that we can totally elevate our station, right. And go to new heights. And I've lived that. My wife has a very similar story. And what we're seeing right now is, really the, I would say slow, but it's not slow at all. You're seeing the death of the American dream and what you're seeing in this country right now. And some folks think I'm an alarmist for saying it. I'm happy to more uh, academically define it for you if you so wish. But what we're seeing in this country right now is a communist incursion. And it saddens me because even the Republican Party, which should stand for American values, the Republican Party now has really become the party of socialism light, right? We're just a lighter, cuter, fluffier form of socialist. We're not the full-throated Marxists like over there in the Democrat Party. But I think that's unacceptable. I think we ought to have a party that's dedicated to promoting American and family values. 
Wonderful. Um, have you have you served in office before? Were you a city councilor, a state representative? Did you serve in any? In no, any other I think this is my biggest selling point. So okay, the, you know that's not a <laughs> it's not a usual step. I'm going to go from being a financial advisor to let me be governor. That you know, I think some people are going to ask the questions. All right, well, what's your qualifications? What makes you think you have the executive experience to run a state? I love this question because this is really an opportunity for all of us collectively to recognize that if we want something different than what we have, then we have to start doing something different. So that question is asked in every election, year after year after year. And what we have now is a ruling class of professional politicians and Folks have gotten used to the status quo, and, and now we're seeing how the status quo is undermining our very republic. It's, uh, the, the status quo is supporting anti-American activists that are harassing our communities. The reality is, if you look at how change, positive change, has come in America, and it's true today, and I'll give an example of today, and it's true at our founding, the story of America, is a, uh, it, this is a country founded by young patriots with a bold vision, right? We so often forget how uh, who the founding fathers were. I think it's because we, you know, open our books and see these learned men with white hair. The reality is 19 of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were in their 20s and 30s. And, and folks, don't forget the white hair. They were wearing wigs. <laughs> uh, Thomas Jefferson was 33 years old when he authored the Declaration of Independence. And 11 years later, after the War for Independence, after an original founding charter for this country, the U.S. Constitution was, uh, was helped drafted by James Madison, who, this is 11 years later, was 36 at that time. And today, look at today, you look at Governor Ron DeSantis here or, or, or in, in Florida. Florida, right, right. That is bold leadership. Look what, I mean, Florida is a swing state, for crying out loud. And yet he is leading in such a way that he's growing the Republican Party out there. And Florida is becoming more conservative. It's, it's incredible. But here's the thing, and this is my, my shameless plug. I get one today. Here's my shameless plug. Governor DeSantis is the youngest governor in the United States right now. So I selfishly believe Idaho ought to one-up Florida. But I'll, I'll stop with the shameless no, that's plugs awesome. there. That's awesome. So, okay. All right. Well, let's dive into some issues. Let's, uh, let's go to the big one. I'm going to start right off the bat with the most divisive topic in America. Recently, Texas took an approach on an issue that is often the, the dividing factor between Republicans and Democrats. That's, of course, abortion. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they have created the heartbeat bill. Now, in the state of Idaho, we have a similar bill, but it has a trigger factor on it. So we do have the, uh, the prenatal heartbeat bill, but it's not active until such time as another appellate court upholds such a decision like Texas. So my first question to you, I want to I have a little discussion around your feelings of how Texas is doing this and how, as governor, you would carry or change that mantle. It's incumbent upon anybody in leadership to uh, ex- help expand the Overton window so that we have the free exchange of ideas, but 
so that we can continue to deliver on that vision. And the vision of the pro-life movement is really one of an eternal optimist. And I, and I share that, that characteristic. The, the reality is human life has immeasurable potential, both spiritually and secularly. And, and I have to think, I mean, out of the 60 million people that are missing today from America because they were aborted, they were terminated before they ever got their chance, is it possible that one of those 60 million people would have gone on to cure cancer? What, and so I, I, I ask, what are we missing from the sciences, from culture and the arts? Because 60 million people never got their chance. The reality is the abortion arguments are some of the most cynical, depressing arguments I can think of. Folks think they're going to cure poverty and end adversity by terminating, uh, terminating baby, uh, preborn babies. It, it, uh, the, the whole notion is, is a ridiculous one to me. I've lived in, in incredible poverty. I, I, I was even a homeless teen at one point in my life. The reality is I'm still grateful that I got my chance. Uh, I'm, I, I, and there are so many other people that face incredible adversity in their lives, and they go on to do incredible things, and they make our communities, they make the world a better place. This is, this is sick to me that we're so addicted to the idea that, we, that everybody has this right to be free from tragedy, that we will, in the pursuit of ending tragedy, we will create even bigger ones. And COVID's an excellent example of that. The, the, the whole idea was uh, you know, to prevent people from dying, we're going to stop everyone from living. This is, that, this is that mentality that supports abortion and the abortion arguments I think we need to really push back against that. I'm, I'm very happy to see that Texas is leading out on this important issue. And we have a lot of a great groups that are committed to that cause right now. People forget because they're so worried about something getting hung up in the courts. People forget what the purpose of the state government is. It's, read the preamble, the state constitution. Uh, look at the U.S. Constitution. It's to secure the blessings of liberty, or in Idaho's Constitution, secure the blessings of freedom, right? And that's the, the government's purpose. So if we have to get caught up in some lawsuits to carry out the government's core function, then by golly, so be it. In fact, I'm, I'm willing to bet we could privately fundraise uh, to handle some, some of those lawsuits. So I would like to see us get a lot more bold on some of those topics, because that boldness, I believe, will win more people over to our cause. Marvelous. Well, we're going to dive into an issue uh, I pulled from your website when I, you know, when I went through your website. the The organization is such that you know kind of pulls you to the issues, and and one of the issues um, that, that kind of leads up at the top is Idaho First. And I, I want to read a little bit from your website, and then I've got a question. So. Following Donald Trump's America First policy, Ed will lead, along with other states such as Florida and Texas, in pushing for legislation that would ban individuals or companies connected with China, Iran, North Korea, Russia from entering into contracts relating to the state's critical infrastructure. So my question, how does the process look to identify and ban individuals or companies connected with these nations. Are you only talking about foreign nationals or American citizens who happen to have also invested in interests located in these other countries? 
really what's at the heart of what I'm trying to address are individuals and organizations that have connections with communist parties. Yeah, right? but what's the definition of connections? The, that That's my question. Are you talking about American citizens with investments in China? Well, the reality is people don't realize it, but in their 401ks right now, probably 90%, 95% of your listeners have investments in China. No, I don't think that that would meet the, uh, the merit at all. What I'm talking about is there are organizations outlined like the United Front Work Department uh, by our previous Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, that make it very clear what the Chinese are doing. And this isn't difficult to do. I, uh, we, people got to realize the Chinese do this to us. You can't, you can't go into China and have a majority stake in their corporations. They control who owns what because then they can control those individuals. Here in Idaho, we have resources that aren't aren't available anywhere else in the state. Uh, rare earth minerals like antimony. Antimony is a, a necessary mineral in the development of a lot of different technology applications. And over 80% or maybe over 85% of the world's antimony supply comes from China and Russia. The reality is Idaho is the only state in the union that has a supply of antimony, and we're not allowed to touch it here because we constantly cower down to these leftist environmental groups. We should uh, push for an Idaho first, but an America first uh, policy so that we can secure our, again, this comes from the U.S. Constitution, our common defense. And, and rare earth minerals play a role in that in, in, uh, for, the, for a modern day economy. So I think that we have to protect the resources we have in this state more. But we also have to understand one fundamental thing, and this is the most important takeaway of all. Uh, it, Right now, there is a purveyor of global communism in the world. It was the Soviet Union during Ronald Reagan's time. Today, it's the Chinese Communist Party. And here's the thing. The Chinese Communist Party is an enemy to America. It's an enemy to Idaho. Can we stop playing these games like, oh, we're going to be called xenophobic or, or racist because we identify our enemies in the world space? They're an enemy to us. We're not going to play this game anymore. If, if you have relationships with these organizations, involvement in organizations like the United Front uh, Work Department and connections to the Chinese Communist Party, you should not be allowed to participate in Idaho's economy. Period. No, we don't want the money. Okay. We don't need it. We got enough people coming here. We got a robust economy. Why do we need Chinese money? No, and I, I agree. I'm I'm just trying to get to the core. How do you how do you differentiate that investor? How do you differentiate the the people who are invested versus the people who are in China? I so I just for the listener's benefit, I'm just trying to come up with an understanding of where as governor you set that dividing line. So you are no longer qualified to apply for jobs under government contract for the state of Idaho because fill in the blank. So what I just offered up to you is what I would call the spirit of the law. What you're asking for is the letter of the law. And the reality is I, uh, there's, you know, we can get caught up in a thousand rabbit trails on what makes sense no, and, and you're what right, doesn't. You're right. What I, I, would say, I don't want to nail you down to specific language. I what, just I want what, to understand the idea. 
Yeah, what I would say is it seems very uh, simple to me at, at the most basic level. It can be more complex than this, but the most basic level, you have to, if you're filing for a business license or you're, you're, you're trying to buy a majority stake in an Idaho business or, or buy Idaho property, then you should probably uh, uh, affirm or declare whether you have any connections to those organizations, right? And the, and that list will continue to need to be updated. Unfortunately, we don't have a, uh, you know, a Secretary of State and a State Department today that is uh, uh, going to uh, be aware of this threat and educate people on. But there are there are other resources for us to get that information. And and if they don't declare that they have connections there, then we have these these great buildings with incredible staff in it called prison guards and their prisons and they can go to prison. It's a, we got to start fighting back here. We're losing the, we're losing the fight for the soul of America. Uh, uh, folks got to go to prison right now. Perfect. Thank you. We're going to take a little break to hear from a sponsor. Coeur d'Alene needs a conservative mayor who listens to the voice of its residents Joe Alfieri is our only solid choice for mayor in this coming November 2nd vote. A leader and a listener, Alfieri is strong on conservative values. With community burdensome growth already underway, we need sound planning and strong insight, limiting local government control over our future. Planning is everything. No easy endorsements. No rubber stamping of decisions. Joe Alfieri has the sound, moral, and strong talent of a solid decision maker. Vote Joe Alfieri for mayor, November 2nd, 2021. Paid for by Vote Joe for CDA campaign, Caroline Alfieri, treasurer. I'm going to go from one tough issue to another. Ready for this one? All right. Hasn't really been talked about too much since the 70s and the 80s. But again, I want to read a, a very small part from one of the policy statements on your website. Um, and I, Nuclear energy. I'm, I'm bringing this up not to challenge nuclear energy. I support nuclear energy. But rather to have a discussion that I suspect you're going to face on the campaign. So you, you led with enough is enough with the lies and deceit surrounding nuclear energy. And then a little further down in the policy statement, you wrote, in the past 70 years, less than two dozen people in the U.S. have died from the peaceful use of nuclear energy. I, I can't confirm or deny whether that's true. That I can't confirm that statement. I think we but, list, listed our sources. Um, if not, we can get that to you. Well, and I, I think you did, but from a standpoint of long-term effects from nuclear energy, especially where I'm going, what do you say to the folks who point to studies like what Stanford University published in 2012, estimating 130 deaths and 180 cases of cancer, mostly in Japan, as good reason to limit development of nuclear energy in America? Of course, they're referring to the Fukushima incident and and the disaster response to that. And we could take a look at Chernobyl as well and say nuclear power plants did create a safety concern. And you're, while you, the statement in your campaign, again, is probably right. Nobody in America has died. But 
people are concerned with the safety issues of nuclear power. How do you address those questions? Again, this it ties into this common problem in our society that we think we have the right to be free from tragedy in our lives. And it, it's, it's an insane idea to me. And those researchers at Stanford are probably some woke, special uh, interest science-funded individuals. Uh, people got to realize now, science, uh, the scientific process used to be the pursuit for truth. The reality is science has now... Uh, been hijacked, uh, and it goes to the highest bidder. And you can you can find an academic report to back up anything you want. Look, they they literally are trying to convince people now that if we only had more drugs and more free drugs, that society's problems would be fixed. You realize? I mean, these are moronic ideas, but. You know, these academic reports that, you know, they'll, they'll put in all the fancy tables and these case studies, and, and it's so compelling, but the reality is it's all bunk. This report, uh, to me, is, is silliness. So you're telling me that it, you said it was 180 cases. 130 deaths, 180 cases of cancer. Okay, so because... what the study said. I, I'm, you know, I'm just reading the study. And look, but every... And an excerpt. I, <laughs> let me just, I didn't read the whole study. These are just an excerpt from the study. It's ridiculous to me that uh, we don't pay attention to what, you know, socialism, Marxism, communism, these collectivist governments, how many people they've killed. And we don't talk about that, but we want to talk about, you know, in Stanford's case, 130 people died from a Fukushima accident. So we can't continue to pursue nuclear energy. Let me give you an example. That's like saying because people get electrocuted every year, we have to shut down the power plants. We shouldn't have electricity anymore, folks. And, uh, and not to mention, I, I mean, you could apply, this logic is insane, insane. And that what they're, I'll tell you, they're paid off is what it is. This is special interest science at its height. You think ExxonMobil and Shell and uh, or Royal Dutch Shell and all these massive corporations can't hire scientists to tell you don't pursue nuclear energy? And folks, I mean, you're, uh, you're talking to a former roughneck. Look, I love the oil fields, all right? I'm, I, the oil field will forever be in my heart. But at the end of the day, you look at the load factor and the capacity rating for nuclear power plants, you are dumb if you don't think we should continue to pursue nuclear energy. And our state has an incredible legacy with nuclear energy. People don't realize the first town ever lit by atomic energy in the world was Arco, Idaho. That is incredible. That's the first town in the entire world. We were the we pioneered the peaceful application of nuclear power. Let me tell you why people are stuck on. It's not just this feeling of the right to be free from tragedy, but the reality is people got introduced to the concept of nuclear power through the bomb. It inherently had a destructive intent, and it carried out that intent with incredible efficiency and horrific efficiency if we were introduced to electricity through the electric chair i worry that you and i wouldn't be talking over mics and under a light we would we would have some candles in here and you would be writing this all down <laughs> i mean we wouldn't uh, that's like not pursuing electricity because people got fried in an electric chair so i'll i'll stop there these these arguments are are just dumb really there's no there's no other way to describe them Okay. Um, you know, I will note that Thomas Edison did try to stop 
the alternating current by using an electric chair. So just a little bit of history there. Yeah. Let's move on to the next issue. Of, oh, man, this, is a, this one's a tough one. Recently, the President of the United States announced that he's going to use OSHA to create a rule to require businesses to mandate their employees to get a vaccination that, by the way, is still listed as an experiment that anybody who gets the vaccination, even the ones that are approved by the FDA, the Pfizer ones, you still have to sign a, a, a waiver clause. Um, as governor, how would you react? We have to go the distance on this. We cannot allow bureaucrats and, and professional politicians to start making medical decisions for everyone else. And this is really just a symptom of the main, I, uh, you're going to find that on every issue, I want to get to the root of the cause. I want to attack the root because we can tear leaves off of trees all day long and, and we'll just see them replaced like we have. Uh, but if you get to the root of the issue, suddenly you don't have to worry about it anymore. Here's the root of the problem in America today. And this is part of the reason why I felt so compelled to run for governor because I believe as I lead out through this campaign and if I'm so uh, lucky enough to be elected to be Idaho's next governor, what I want to continue to open people's eyes to is that we have adopted tenants and ideologies that are not un-American, they're anti-American. There's a difference. They run counter to the very principles and foundation of this nation. And here's one of those playing out. And, and it's not just in D.C. I can give you some Idaho examples. And, and, and the Republican, this isn't a party issue. This isn't a Democrat-Republican issue. This supersedes the parties. We adopt, are adopting collectivist ideology in everything that we do. And one of the core tenets of those ideologies is a concept called central planning. And for your listeners who are more economically interested, which I imagine you have many, I encourage them to get a Reader's Digest uh, version. Uh, you can find it on the internet of uh, uh, Friedrich Hayek's The Road to Serfdom. This is a very powerful book. It was a study done on, on Nazi Germany and other totalitarian states and how economically it will always and in totalitarianism, and it starts with these concepts. So here's my definition of central planning, and every Idahoan needs to be aware of this and start to recognize it as it carries out. Central planning is the idea that subject matter experts are more qualified than we are to make decisions, so they're the ones who are empowered to make decisions for us. So I always ask people, have you ever heard of a gentleman, uh, Dr. Fauci, right? I hate to even give him enough credit to call me subject matter expert because depending on whose payroll he's on, you know, hydroxychloroquine yeah, his, is good, his it's bad. seems it's, to be up for bid. There's, there's no doubt. And these subject matter experts, they have political agendas is what people are coming to realize. But Idaho has its own team of Dr. Fauci's. This is how we're one of the few states in the whole country that shut down churches but deemed liquor stores as essential. It, it, the, these are just the most insane concepts to me. So what Joe Biden is doing is he's revealing his true form. And remember, both Bernie Sanders and Vladimir Lenin called themselves democratic socialists. Call it whatever you want. It's all the same, folks. 
And he's revealing himself in his true form. He is a communist. We're not allowed to say that. You know, the media would scoff if I called Joe Biden a communist. What do you mean? But does it meet the definition, the criteria I just offered, or does it not? And so this will get worse. This is just the beginning because we've allowed and tolerated central planning to infect and invade every area of our lives. COVID just brought it to the forefront. I'll say this, in Idaho's current situation, and it, and it might necessitate a, an entire conversation around the budget, really, but we have lost our state sovereignty. And the reason for that is because we sold it. We sold it. Over 40% of this state's budget now comes from the federal government. And so the reality is, is we have to fight back. We need to use whatever tools are in our tool bag to fight back. But at the end of the day, when they come for the budget and you realize that we can't pay the bills anymore without being on the, the, the federal government's dole, uh, they all collapse. And this is why I've developed an entire plan of how we elevate and insulate Idaho and our economy so that we can begin the process of methodically and systematically divorcing ourselves from federal money. Because if you do not do that, this is just the beginning. Wait until you have the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms say so you can't own an AR-15. You can't have more than uh, thirty, uh, you know, or ten round magazines. You can't. You, you see what I'm saying? This this is just the beginning. Wait till, and this is my predictions. And so, and, and uh, hopefully, we'll set a little reminder and see if a year from now, if I'm right, Joe Biden's going to weaponize Medicare. It's the ultimate political chess move. Think about it. Everybody at age sixty-five has to enroll in Medicare. And if Medicare starts making personal medical decisions for you and you don't play ball and they don't pay your bills, you know how many Americans would be bankrupted? And we're not talking, look, we're not talking about like scrape by your whole life, you get bankrupt. I'm talking that, that would bankrupt millionaires. Yeah, it's 52 million people who are 65 or older. So, okay, but I want to drive to the question. That's all good. And honestly, I think every listener listening to us agrees. There's no question. What are you going to do about it as governor? Specifically, what are you going to do to stop it? Without starting this process of divorcing ourselves from, uh, from the federal money, at a minimum, we're going to have to take it to the courts. We're going to have to review how the state works with OSHA. I have heard already uh, since this came out that it's not going to work out, that uh, uh, that because of the way OSHA is structured and because of other mandates uh, that have come through before that didn't fly in the courts, I've heard it is very unlikely to go through. But it still reveals, I, I think, what they're, what they're pushing for. So just so everyone is aware, this is not implemented right now. This is just a, a political speech. Right, right. He, nothing has actually come to fruition. However, people want to know what's our next governor. We know what our current governor is saying he's going to do, but what's our next governor going to do? Well, how do you, how can you effectively counter something if you don't even understand the terrain? So, I mean, he, he can he can throw out anything he wants, but at the end of the day, the only thing we know is he's saying OSHA is going to find companies that don't play that don't play ball. The reality is our only recourse short of revolution, right? Our only recourse short of that, uh, without completely tanking our entire state is through the courts at this point. But we have to recognize that we need 
that bold leadership to start that process with the federal money. Everything else is a moot point, just so you know. If we're not going to talk about the route that we take immense billions and billions of dollars from the federal government to run the show here, uh, this is all for fun and games. Well, you know, and I, I go back long enough where I, I remember what the federal government did to change the national speed limit. Um, you know, before you were born, it, the speed limit was 75 miles an hour nationwide. And, and the federal government cracked down and said, it's going to be 55. And if you don't change it, then we're going to withhold your money. Same thing for the drinking age. The drinking age used to be 18. And the federal government said, you need to make that 21. Hawaii was the last state to make the change. And you know, they kept making the argument, you're just going to kill our tourism. And, but the federal government threatened to withhold the federal dollars. I, you know, I would love to have you back on the program just to talk about the budget. And we've got lots of time to do that because the budget is an immense topic. And I purposely didn't put any budget-related questions in because today I want to... Because that's my strong suit, well, right? Well, no, no, that's not it. It's because I, the people want to know you as a person. Yeah, yeah. And these kind of issues... Yeah. yeah, these kind of issues identify your your uh, leadership personality. And yeah. I, so I'm going to dive into one more. And could almost kind of predict where the answer is going to go, but... This one is an interesting one. Um, refugee resettlement. Now, you talked about this on your, on your website. And I, I think just saying the word refugee resettlement conjures up thoughts in every listener hearing our voices right now. What does it conjure up in your mind as you are looking at the, the possibility of becoming the governor of the state? I'm the only individual running for a statewide office that immediately came out and called for a moratorium on all refugee resettlement in the state of Idaho. We're look, we're overwhelmingly a Christian people. We believe in helping our neighbor and giving back. I think we can maintain the spirit of that, but I believe in this very radical idea that the purpose of our country and our government should exist to benefit Americans first. I know it's radical and xenophobic and racist and oh my goodness. All that stuff MSNBC yeah. says. It's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's a very radical idea. Look, we have law enforcement officers, teachers, nurses who cannot afford housing in the very communities in which they work. You're telling me, and just so you know, it's the United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees that determines who gets sent to America? It's not America. Look, I get you can talk about the State Department vetting process, which, by the way, is a joke. They there was a, a, a an Afghan refugee that came here was convicted in Idaho for rape in 2010. We sent him back. They just brought him back. There was an Afghan refugee in 2012 that was convicted for aggravated robbery. We sent him back. They just brought him back. This is a fact, undeniable fact. When we can't house our own cops, you're telling me that we're going to play this game? And you have to, have to also understand, I mean, the, the largest voting block for the United Nations uh, uh, is the Organization for Islamic Cooperation. Many of these member nations of that uh, have outlawed Christianity. You think that they want 
America to succeed? You think that they're picking out all the cream of the crop to send here? This is what originally got Donald Trump in trouble because he, he talked about this. But at some point, the truth ought to have its day. Look, this is the facts right now. Idaho, it, uh, per capita basis, t- is the third highest in the country in refugee resettlement. Get this. We resettle more refugees in this state than eight other states combined. It's obscene and it's absurd to me. I've called for an immediate moratorium on refugee resettlement. We're going to bring it to an end. Excellent. So what would you like to share with the listeners as we get ready to wrap things up? You can go to my website, edforidaho.com. What Ed has been reading through right now are my position papers. So I Part of the reason why I wanted to step forward and submit myself to this process is because personally, I've grown really sick and tired of all the platitudes and all the red meat fluff. Everybody can bash on Joe Biden, folks. Even Democrats hate Joe Biden. Give me a break. But at the at the end of the day, I wanted to offer up a plan instead of platitudes. And I feel that uh, would you would you say this uh, your experience looking through that it was comprehensive? Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it's very clearly written. That's why I wanted you to articulate. That's why I didn't go for the easy stuff, the fluff stuff. Yeah, I wanted to dive into some deeper, harder topics. No, I I I, I love this. I I love uh, the line of questioning. I would encourage your listeners go to edforidaho.com. You can read a lot of this for yourselves. You can submit for questions there's so many really important topics we didn't get time to touch on today corruption in government is a big one i'm a huge school choice advocate these are things i would love to come back i'd love to chat with you more in depth about because they would be transformational for the state of idaho no and i really look forward to when you do come back and you're always welcome thank you so much ed for taking the time. thank you for having me on we've reached the end of the episode but not the end of the issue Please share this episode with your friends and family. If you have questions or would like to share your own issues and ideas, visit www.idahospeaks.com and click Share an Issue. Your state, your voice, Idaho Speaks.